Welcome to the Bible Idiots Podcast. We're Chris and Emily Danielson, and it is spring break. And so this week, as a special kind of thing, we're going to be bringing you long-form teaching all week long. And today, Chris is going to be taking us into Ephesians chapter 1. The title of his message is Let's Talk Blessings and Growth. Here's Pastor Chris Danielson. The, the reality is, is that everybody has come from different perspectives, and everybody has a little bit different thing going on in their world in 2020. A friend of mine called 2020 a garbage year. It's just been rough. It's been different. And when you called me to be your pastor, we had some stuff that we're coming out of. I've met with 21 different either people or couples since I've been here. And I'm going to say 17 or 18 of them are coming out of something or are in the middle of something. Um, the church had a clean slate on the 13th of September. Coming out of COVID, new leadership, new pastor, people coming back. We just got Reboot Sunday going with the 11 a.m. service and with Sunday school and the nursery back. And so I thought this would be a good Sunday to do what I call a pivot Sunday. And a pivot Sunday is talking about blessings and growth. And it starts with who are we as a, as a church. So let me just share with you, if you're visiting today, this is a church about the cross. It's about our lives in Christ, celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus and the eternity with Jesus. And so our, our text today is going to be in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. I'm going to read the whole thing, and it's loaded. It's absolutely loaded. So if you'd stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Going through verse 14, starting in verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we also have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. Let this be a blessed time of worship, understanding as we grow and learn about your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Let's start out today. I want to tell you about a guy in Chicago. It's a true story. He'd been a drunkard on Chicago's Skid Row for many years, and he comes to this halfway house, 
and he ate a meal, and he goes to bed. That was his last night on earth. He died poverty-stricken and friendless, never to see another day. What he did not know was that he had an inheritance of over $4 million waiting for him in England. The authorities had searched for him but were unable to find him because he had no address. Here was a man who had, literally, in his possession, all the material wealth he could possibly want. But he lived and died in poverty because he didn't know he had it. In a sense, he's like many Christians and non-Christians alike who live in poverty because they're not fully aware of their wealth in Christ. And wealth in Christ does not look like what the world thinks it looks like. God has made available to us a wealth of blessings The majority of the world and many in the church just simply never take advantage of these blessings. So I want to talk to you about that today, and I want it to come from God's Word. So we're going to have a scripture smackdown today. It's going to be one after another after another, because it's really going to be that message. I would, you know, putting this together, I would one day like to do a message where I don't say anything but just this scripture, then this scripture, and it all ties together. And God wants us to see this. And so I've got seven points in your your sermon notes today. And we're going to go through them rather quickly. It's not a long message. I think it's 20, 25 minutes tops. But uh, if you stay with me and you take these notes with you later this week and do a little bit more research into what God's saying, you're you're going to find that there's incredible blessings and incredible growth involved with what God is presenting to you here today. Number one, we receive two types of blessing from the Lord, temporal and spiritual temporal and spiritual. We're going to focus a lot on the spiritual today, but let's just talk about the temporal blessings for a minute. Pretty much uh, lays it out in Psalm 37 and Psalm 34. Let's start with Psalm 37, 25. Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. Psalm 34, 9 and 10, it says, you who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. God will take care of us in our time of need. So much so that when the Lord walked the face of the earth, he said over and over, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Some translations are fear not, fear not, fear not. We can trust that God will take care of our temporal blessings. And when I say we, I'm not talking about the collective we. The we I speak of are those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and are living for him. They've not added Jesus to what they got going on. They have given up what they got going on to just follow Jesus. And those temporal things, it's assumed throughout Scripture. You're not going to go hungry. may not always look like what you want it to look like. Maybe a lot of frustrations. But God will take care of those temporal blessings. So let's focus on the spiritual blessings today. Because they are far more valuable than the temporal ones. These are blessings for inner man. These are blessings are perfect and eternal. Many times we get caught up in the temporal blessings so much so that we mistake that Satan can also give you temporal blessings. He can give you so much success that it draws you away from God and you end up not even serving God anymore. You can think you're serving God, and then you end up on Judgment Day, and Jesus says, I don't know who you are. 
Your success, your te- God blessed me so much, I got $100 million, and now I don't need him anymore, so I'm going to go out and live my own way. You get what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of people that fall into that temporal blessing. Not every temporal blessing is from the Lord, but every spiritual one is if you're in Christ. That's the theme of today is in Christ. And these blessings are for the inner person. These blessings are perfect and they are eternal. Regardless of your background, wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, these blessings are for you if you're in Christ. See, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 sets forth these spiritual blessings that lays it out for you. Ready? We're going to go through them real quick and then we're going to take our time and go back through them. Ready? Here we go. Verse 4, we're chosen people. Verses 5 and 6, we're adopted children. Verse 7, redemption and forgiveness is right there. Verse 8 is wisdom. Oh, wisdom. If you can gather wisdom and you can get God-given wisdom, you've got everything. Verses 9 and 10, revelation of his will, God's will. 11 and 12, an inheritance. Verses 13 and 14, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's done. And it's fantastic. Point number two in your notes is spiritual blessings are found only in Christ. Spiritual blessings are found only in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, it says in Ephesians 1.3, are in Christ. Therefore, wouldn't it be common sense that there's no spiritual blessings outside of Christ? There's no spiritual blessings outside of Christ. Well, what about, what about Buddha? What about Muhammad? What about Joseph Smith when he looked through the colored stones? No. It's in Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus lays it down right there. This is the biggest smackdown verse in all of Scripture. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. So are you saying that there are no other religions that are, relig- that are legit and only Jesus? Yep. I'm not saying it. Jesus is. See, every other religion in the world is always working their way towards God and never reaching it. Christianity with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only religion in the world where Jesus is working his way to us to gather us up so we can live in Christ. So when you come as the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world, you can stand and look at all of humanity for all of time and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to God except through me. This is God's plan, right? Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which they must be saved. Thus, to receive these spiritual blessings, we must be in Christ. So at this point, even the most common, non-curious person who's listening to this might be saying to themselves, okay, so then how do you get in Christ? And somebody will say, well, say the sinner's prayer. And I'm here to tell you, the sinner's prayer is not salvation. The sinner's prayer is nothing but a vehicle to get you to salvation. Chris, are you saying people can say the sinner's prayer and not be saved? Yes. Yes. Many people who walk away from the faith were never saved to begin with because they came with all these other things going on, saying a sinner's prayer, getting their get-out-of-hell-free card. That's not in Christ. In Christ 
is when you come knowing that you are sinful, you cannot save yourself, you get crushed into powder at the foot of the cross, and you look up, and without any righteousness of your own, Jesus looks down in his great loves and says, you're one of mine, I save you. And you say, Lord, forgive me of all my unrighteousness. And he says, I will. And he saves you. And then he presents you before God as if you're holy and never sinned. That's the gospel. That's being in Christ. And when you find that gift... It's so incredibly outrageously immense that nothing else in this earth matters anymore. It's so important to you to be honest in even the most little of dealings when you're in Christ. It's so important to you to love someone who you have no natural affection for at all. In your own spirit, you tell them to just get bent. But in Christ, you love them because you can't help it, because you're in Christ. Galatians 3.27 says, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Romans 6.3 and 4 says, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. That's powerful. Repent and be baptized. The baptism is like the sinner's prayer. It's, it's something you do out of obedience. It's a vehicle to kind of get you where you go. The Bible says to do it, so we do it. And when you come out of the water in baptism, you're coming out into a newness of life. And what is that newness of life? You're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, the stuff of the world passes away. That doesn't mean you don't like stuff you used to like. Like, what it fill in the blank? I still like NASCAR. I still like football. I'll always like those things. But when I'm in Christ, I have a different perspective on them. Church used to get in the way of race weekends. You follow my train of thought? Now it's like, well, it's a race weekend. You know, try to do something because I'm, with, I'm in Christ. I just, I worship wherever I go kind of thing. Make sense? It's always about the intent of your heart. It's never about your actions. And the first thing that happens when you're in Christ is what other people think of you starts to fade away. You don't care. I'm in Christ. Point number three, those who are in Christ are blessed. It's a spiritual blessing. We just separated temporal and spiritual. In Christ, we are blessed as chosen people in verse four of our text today. Does God choose arbitrarily? No. No. Notice what it says in Psalm 4.3. In Psalm 4.3, it says, Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. That's pretty cool. We're set apart for God. He loves us that much. Those are people that are in Christ. They're chosen. Isn't it great to know that God wants you? God wants you. Not cleaned up version of you but you. It's a privilege to be a chosen people. Deuteronomy 7.6. We didn't have that uh, last time. Do we have it now? All right, let me grab it. Um, and that was my fault earlier in the week. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 says this. For you are holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. 
it's a great privilege. Those who are chosen then want to remain holy and without blemish, and it's really hard to do that, isn't it? So what do we do? We grow through the blessings when we're in Christ. Now let's just take a breath, and let me just share with you that when you get into predestination and you get into being chosen, that that is a way that people have divided themselves for over 1,500 years. Well, it says to me that, you know, it's, it's predestination. Well, then God didn't, I don't need to evangelize because God didn't choose that guy. He chose me and he chose this guy. No. What, what, what it means is that we're adopted as children in verses 5 and 6. We become adopted by being foredained, predestined. Okay, the Greek word is prorizo, which means to be marked out a boundary beforehand. Say, say we're going to go hunting, and we can be predestined with the farmer's land. Say, say uh, Brent Potter lets us go hunt on his land. He can predestine and foreordain what patch of land we're going to be allowed to hunt on. Does that make sense? The boundary is in the beloved, i.e. in Christ. So does God want everybody to be saved? Of course. He predestined the, the way for everybody to be saved. Will everybody be saved? No, they won't. Why does the way that leads to destruction narrows the path and few that find it? When you find that path and you go in Christ, you are chosen, you are predestined to be there. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. When you understand, as we get into it now, our inheritance and being sealed in the Holy Spirit and that we're in Christ, there is nothing else that tops it. In John chapter 1, verses 12, uh, 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. To be a child of God is to be an incredible, chosen, God wants me, God loves me, in spite of myself thing, that then trumps everything else that this world will ever offer us. It's an adoption. And this adoption is being grafted in to with what Jesus is as the Son of the living God. We don't have these scriptures, but real quickly, this new relationship with the Father, Galatians 4, 4 and 5, the same rights and privileges as a genuine Son, the one and only Son of God. We have those same rights and privileges, Romans 8, 16 and 17. Access and presence to the Father, Romans, uh, Galatians 4, 6. God wants to talk to you. God wants you to talk to Him. And He wants to have this commune with us where we hear His voice. If nothing else, Thursday nights from 5 to 8, come into the sanctuary and just sit and listen to maybe God speaking to you. My prayer life used to be a joke. You know, used to be trying to lead people on the air and doing this and doing that, and my prayer life was just my list of things that God needed to check off. Bless this person, bless this, heal this person, heal this, give me this, give me that. And when you're in Christ and you have this spiritual growth, it changes and your commune with Jesus on a day-by-day -day basis changes. And you can even get into these drifts where you don't even talk to God for three or four days because you're so busy with life. But when you come back, He welcomes you, and He wants you, and He wants to talk with you. 
And he wants you to talk to him as a father. In Christ, we are blessed with redemption and forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, we are adopted. And that special relationship with the children of God is outlined in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. It says, While he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to the one who was speaking to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Was Jesus being sarcastic? No. And I'm the first one to tell you, I think Jesus was sarcastic a lot. Like James and John. They were these fishermen, but they apparently were not the most manly men. And so he nicknamed them Sons of Thunder. That's, that's sarcastic. The word for Peter, meaning rock, is a little pebble. It's like he's being sarcastic. You know, Peter, look, you're, you're like this little pebble, and I'm going to build my church on it, and it won't fail. There's so many times. I mean, we are so, so accustomed to the old movies where Jesus is just this stoic guy. You know, the one, the one passage about uh, if a child asks for an egg, will he give him a snake? If a child asks for an egg, would he therefore give him a snake? I don't think Jesus talked like that. I think Jesus was just like, come on, fellas. If a, if a, if a kid asks for an egg, is his dad going to give him a snake? Come on. I mean, you know, when he called the uh, Pharisees brood of vipers and you whitewashed tombs. You know, I mean, he was very sarcastic. Not here. Here he's like, Look, every one of you who does the will of the Father, basically, basically, he's saying, if you are in Christ, you are my mother, you're my brothers, you're my sisters. You're my family. Because we're adopted in. The blessing's always found in Christ. Redemption, setting a man free, paying from, you know, is paying his ransom. We're guilty. We deserve death. And Jesus paid the ransom. Let's just say that um, we do something that is uh, going to get us a $10,000 fine, okay? And somebody steps up and says, Chris did this, and we're going to give him a $10,000 fine, or he's going to have to face a year in jail, and somebody just pays that $10,000 fine. That's somebody paying my ransom. That's somebody paying my debt. We are all condemned to hell because of our sinfulness, and Jesus pays that ransom. And you can find that in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter chapter 1. Forgiveness of sins, Matthew 26, 28. We're not going to get into them. Just you can jot them down. And so through the vehicle of the sinner's prayer, through the vehicle of coming on our knees and asking for redemption, God gives us in Christ. We see, you know, we, we, we do things like out of obedience, like baptism. Baptism, we connect with the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we're not in Christ, we've not contacted the blood of Christ. And it's the blood that washes away the sins of the world, right? Jesus' blood. Point number three, in Christ we are then blessed with wisdom. Now, I just explained to you who's in Christ, right? They can pursue that wisdom. This wisdom is from above, is only available to those in Christ. 
when we look around and we see people calling themselves Christians and they don't seem to have any wisdom, the Bible says the wheat and tares are going to grow up together, and we're supposed to figure it out. Who's the tare, right? No. The Bible says don't even try to figure it out. Jesus says he's going to separate them. You just go on and be faithful. If you're in Christ, you just be faithful with what you got, and Jesus will sort everything else out. That's another reason why we don't judge. But on the other hand, we can be fruit inspectors. Okay? If somebody's writing garbage, we know it's garbage because we can lay it down next to Scripture. 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Colossians. We're going to go back to back to back on these three because we must keep searching in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, Yet those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Romans 11.33 says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. Colossians 2.3 says, in him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's pretty cool, right? It takes the pressure off us having to have all the answers, right? It takes the pressure off us having to figure out who's in Christ and who's not. All we've got to do is worry about us being in Christ. The scriptures elsewhere say, examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. Every day in keeping with repentance, his mercies are renewed each day. It's a daily walk with Christ. Point number four. In Christ, we are blessed with the revelation of his will. Verses 9 and 10. God has made known to us the mystery of his will. Mystery comes from a Greek word meaning not yet revealed. Now notice, it was made known to those who? In Christ. This revealed mystery is is the, the scheme of redemption. It's the plan of redemption. It's, it's the schematic of redemption. And it was the Father's good pleasure to do this according to the Word of God. This great act is not an afterthought, but it was the mind of God from the very beginning. He laid it out. He predestined how He was going to do this for you and for me. And the revelation of God is a true blessing to all who receive Jesus and are in Christ. We receive the needed instruction. We get details concerning salvation. And the mystery is cracked open and we see it plainly for what it is. This revealed will makes it possible for all obedient believers to sum up all things together in one in Christ. Jesus said it another way. Many of you probably know what it is. I'll give you Eyes to see and ears to hear. Point number five. In Christ, we are blessed with an inheritance. In Christ, we are blessed with an inheritance. Now, what is this inheritance that we're blessed with? I mean, if it's God, and Jesus has everything, all the kingdoms of all the earth and in heaven for eternity, that's pretty big doings, right? So what does it actually say in the Bible? In Acts 20, 20, uh, 32, in Acts 20, 32, it says, And now I commit to you God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Do you see it in there? It's a spiritual inheritance. Christians partake of this inheritance now in the kingdom, but there's another part of this inheritance to come. It's called heaven. And the, there's a translation that says, in whom also we were made a heritage. 
We were made a heritage, and we have an inheritance. So according to the rendering, we are God's private possession. He's our redeeming work. That's kind of how it is. Did, did you catch all that? It could, it could be said that God's redeeming work as his heritage, we receive an inheritance that is incorruptible and not put away. At the end of the day, what that means is when we are in Christ is that Christ is our great possession, and we are his great possession. Now, many of you know that I've been in NASCAR most of my life. I raced, I ran a track, and I have been around good-meaning Christians who will say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to race Dale Earnhardt. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. You know, uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play baseball with my dad because I never got a chance to do that when I was a kid. No, no, you're not. Jesus Christ is so immense, and his gift to us and our inheritance is so immense that we are going to spend all of our time in heaven praising him, feasting at the, 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 the supper of the Lamb and the party in the New Jerusalem. We will recognize each other, and it's going to be a joyous occasion that we cannot put words to. The Apostle Paul, who's one of the greatest writers in history, said his imagination can't come up with words to cover half of what he sees in heaven. Jesus is that great when you're in Christ. John Piper said this, and I know I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He said, if you could go to a place for all of eternity where you'd be given a perfect body, you would run and not grow weary, and you would never shed a tear, all your family and friends are there, be the perfect temperature, and you would live in paradise, but no Jesus is there. Do you still want to go? If you are in Christ, you no longer care about a get-out-of-hell-free card. You just want to be where he is. You just want to be where he is. And that's why you can't not come to service. That's why the church must gather together. That's why we must take care of our brothers and sisters, which is why we must do devotions, which is why we, we must talk to God when we can. And everything in our life that we've ever wanted fades away when we become in Christ. And the enemy comes and tries to snatch that away from you all the time. And me. And we get distracted with the, the glitz and glamour of this world or the, the weariness and the struggles of this world. And Jesus says, come on to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Point number six. In Christ, we are blessed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. A seal of the Holy Spirit. A seal is an identifying mark to denote ownership. Now, there are differing views of, of the, the baptism and the Holy Spirit and all of this, but I just want you to remember this one point. When you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit works on our heart using the sword of the Spirit. And what's the sword? It's God's Word. It's God's Word. Remember, the Holy Spirit will do nothing to separate us apart from the Word of God. It will never separate us apart from the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit is sealing you, it will line up with the Word of God 1,000 million percent. If you have a spirit speaking to you that does not line up with God's word, it is not the Holy Spirit. 
Being sealed with the Holy Spirit means that when people become Christians, the Spirit identifies them as belonging to or being under the authority of the one the seal represents, which in this case, of course, is God. And who's God? He's the creator, he's the king, and he's the counselor. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And that guarantee from the Spirit is our inheritance. A guarantee is a down payment or a pledge. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise of further payment, which is what? Heaven, right? Just as we might give a down payment when we buy a car or house, I believe in the first century, it was a miraculous measure of the Spirit that was poured out on people. And today, this guarantee is found in the Word of God. And the Word of God and the Spirit will come upon those of us that are in Christ. And one of the best ways to be in Christ is in prayer. Another best way to be in Christ is in His Word. That's what we've been given. People have come to me and they've said, Chris, at what point do good people do bad things if some of this unrest and chaos comes to our door? And I'm going to tell you what the answer is. Because it's not about the BIC passivity, nor is it about the underground militia wanting to go out in the street and guns a-blazing. Let me tell you what it is for those in Christ. God tells us in His Word that we are to put on the full armor of God. And when we put on the full armor of God, which you can find in the New Testament, Paul wrote it, you put on that full armor of God, it says to what? Stand firm. Stand firm. And you stand firm for what? The American Constitution? No. You stand firm for what? Uh, your rights as, a, as an American? To do no. You stand firm in Christ. You know what else? Jesus says something else. He says, don't worry when they drag you before the courts what you're going to say. I'll give you what to say in that moment. So I take all of Scripture... And I take the armor of God and I tell you this. If they roll up with tanks right now, or if an invading army comes, or if Antifa comes to lock down Lifehouse, we will know what to do in that minute because we, are arm, you know, we have the full armor of God on. And it might be that we have to move forward aggressively and it might mean that we have to stand down. I don't know because we're not in that moment. But I do know that if we're in Christ, he will give us that wisdom in that moment if we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which most of us are here. Does that make sense? Why would anybody want to ignore these great blessings? Why would we not take advantage of everything that God has given us? Why would so many of us just play games with Christianity instead of actually finding themselves in Christ. If you're not a Christian and you are ignoring these wonderful blessings, take advantage of them today by obeying the gospel that's on the back of this sheet. I'll be here for a few minutes. I'll pray with you. I see other believers here that, that I believe are wheat. They'll pray with you too. There's nothing greater in our lives than to be in Christ. That's why we were created to be a possession of God and for him to be our great portion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just love you and thank you and praise you. We, we are so 
joyful and grateful that you lived a perfect life we couldn't live. That you died the sacrificial death as the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And you have victory over death, hell, and the grave with your resurrection, which you're going to offer to us, and that we will live eternally, and that that be the great blessing. Be with us and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.